All right. Well, this is catching foxes with Luke. Really excited about uh, um, the meetup. Don't know where Gomer's going to be that night. Don't know where Gomer is now. So. No, no, no. You're doing a great job being catching foxes all by yourself, buddy. You're doing a great job. Everyone's proud of you. You have nice hair, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I just did there, Luke? I lied. Everything was a lie. Et cetera, et cetera. It's Friday, December 16, 2016, and you are unfortunately listening to Catching Foxes. A show dedicated to discussion over instruction, where we frequently embarrass ourselves by being a little too honest. A special thank you goes to Allison from Sarasota, a great listener and supporter of the show, as well as to the four Aggie Catholic women from Texas A&M who stopped by yesterday on their college road trip to Covecrest to say hi to me. One could say that it was an official Catching Foxes meetup if one were so inclined to do. Stay tuned to the end of the show. When Gomer, that's me, is done embarrassing himself to find out more about the Seek 2017 conference meetup with that Catholic couple and Luke from Catching Foxes. <clears throat> and now here's episode 70, The Fat Show. So Luke, how you doing? Oh, it's been a shitty two days, man. I know. I know some of it and I don't know some of it. Yeah, so um, half of it I can't really uh, go into, but I will at some point in time. I just I think it'd be good just to um, have some distance between that and when I actually uh, take yeah. the time to, to talk about it. But um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The other stuff I I, I actually kind of did want to hit just to you know um, throw uh, throw it out there. I am um, I grew up in like a really great home with. Um, like like my parents were pretty awesome and honestly and like you know and um and it's not that um that i think that people who struggle with drugs have bad parents by any means necessary but i just grew up in a um home where drugs were like it was just not an option you know like those were bad things that you did not under any like we would never do it ever. So I've never, I mean, I've smoked pot. That's been the extent of my drug use. And I would just, I never even thought twice about it. What do you mean? And you never thought twice about it. Like I I was like, if I was at a party, I mean, also I was really never at a party where this would happen at least to my knowledge. But I was just like, I don't like, I was never interested in doing drugs ever. Like, cocaine or pills or anything like that. It just didn't really appeal to me at all. Um, just It just was like, oh, no, that's bad. Like, why would you do that? And so just the – like, if I if I heard about a, a party and if there were, like, people doing uh, any type of drugs there, I would just go, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to go to that. It just had, like, no, it was not, it was, you know. You'd be like, mama told me not to come. She said, that ain't the way to have fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I'm like, like, honestly, though, like, I mean, I really did uh, believe, like, other videos and stuff. Like, like that's why, even if I think, um, it, so, 
this is a whole other uh, a whole other debate. But once pot is actually legalized here in the state of Ohio, which it probably will be r- relatively soon, I would still not uh, like try it. I would just feel guilty, and it's because of how I was raised, and I'm totally fine with that. I'm not, and. Um, anyways, like what what I'm trying to say is, I really don't know. I don't understand like how a person could do drugs. It, like just like I just don't get that. And it's pretty true for uh, me and all um, like for everyone that's um, um, in my family. We we, we just we um, have never done it. And I just had an. I had an experience this past, this like, you know, past week where a person that I was close to having to basically walk with them while they were having to deal with, you know, their partner, if, um, if you will, um, well, like they were just basically, um, had or experienced a, um, a relapse and it was just really heartbreaking to experience that and to see what a person will do to get drugs or like, like what an addiction actually looks like, you know? And when I, when, um, I think back to past episodes we've done here, whether it's been like you and your experience with, uh, pornography with a guy we had on who's a sex addict, just like, you know, that idea of like I'm gonna do anything I can to get what I feel like I need, even if it's going to like hurt me and those that I love. And that's just it's just heartbreaking. It's really, really heartbreaking. And it's at times hard to see where's there's where there can be grace in a situation like like that. I mean, I can see where it's there, but you know, from the standpoint of an of an addict, I think that's gotta be so isolating and like that's like almost like pure a uh, dis pure a uh, despair. As someone who has a person close to them, you know, my uncle died of a drug overdose after he lived with my parents. Um, I wasn't living at my parents' house at the time, but he moved in with my parents and um, was getting his life together. He kind of lived a crazy life, and he was the wild child of the family. My son is uh, named after him, hmm. and he went back up to Philly, and, you know, he's one of those guys that anyone can get along with, you know, his personality. Like, you just instantly want to like this guy. Uh, and I don't know, it, you know, it's it's funny. There's, like, two people who are who are drug addicts that, that I've come across, right? The people that you want to get to know, and then the people that you just want to immediately run from. I feel like there are so few people in between who are who are addicts, right, who have gone beyond recreational use and are consumed by it. But, uh, you know, I didn't, obviously, I didn't walk with him. I, I barely knew my uncle. Uh, I barely know a lot of people in my extended family. They're, they're awesome people, but, um, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, and they grew up in the Philly area. Uh, so I didn't really get to see them or meet them or whatever. I maybe met my aunts and uncles three times in my life. But someone else close to me, and I'm not going to out them, but someone else close to me struggled with, you know, it started with weed and alcohol, and then it progressed to cocaine, and then it became crack. And uh, crack just completely dominated his life. And I can remember 
what it was like when they were in the middle of it. They were human black holes. That's what I used to call them. He would walk into the room, and instantly his gravitational pull pulled everyone towards him, and he just crushed them. Right? That's interesting. Yeah. He would, he would walk into a room, and it, people are smiling and laughing. And within five minutes, he's making fun of people, saying wildly inappropriate things. He's laughing his head off, and people are just getting more and more upset, offended, angry, insulted, whatever it is. And they end up walking away, being like, blah, 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 and just the sarcasm, ripping people down. And then it was just, at the end, it was... Um, Come on, you're taking yourself too seriously. I'm just joking. You know, come on, you're the one. You're really the one at fault, and you're just like, what the hell is going on here? So, was it the person's a demeanor, or like, or that uh, created that black hole, or do you think it was uh, like all? All of those jokes was there was there like an aura to uh, him or her where you're like oh oh no this isn't good you know there were times where you wanted because you knew him and you loved him or you're close with him you wanted to believe that that stuff wasn't happening that you 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 want to believe the lies right so if you go to Narcotics Anonymous you will hear people say the standard line how do you know an addict is lying do you know the answer. No, I don't. His lips are moving. Right? Okay. Because that's what they do. They lie all the time. Mm-hmm. And they are able to just pull you in because you want to believe them. You want to believe them with every fiber of your being. No, no, yeah, you know, I was totally. The thing that's hard is not the defensiveness, but the people who agree in order to disarm you. Yeah, you know what? You're, t- you're totally right. Thank you so much. You know, friends like you, yours, you know, like you being a friend and actually confronting me, you're right, I've gotten out of control. And the whole time, it's all a lie. It's all them just getting, agreeing with you to get rid of you so they can go back to the way it was. And, um, you know, there is a part of every addict who hates his life, his or her life. But, you know, the standard dare officer line, right? You, you, when, when you, when you get drunk or you get high, you start feeling normal, and then you feel amazing, euphoric, and then that wears off, and you don't feel normal again. You feel crappy. You got that hungover experience. And then eventually you work your way back to normal with Advil and water and a lot of bread. But uh, the addict ultimately has to do drugs in order to feel somewhat normal, right? And that's when you know you're in a full-blown addiction. And so for, for this person, man, you walk into a room and... You know, you talk about an aura. Yeah, I was an aura, but you still, because they were, he was that first type of person that was such a good guy, and you just, you wanted to love him, and there were so many things that was likable and fun about him, but then you hit this wall of sarcasm and rage and anger and, you know, just all this stuff, and you just check out. You're like, you're the good time man, and, you know, you're, it was just brutal. It was just brutal. So I would say in a very real way, and this is, sounds the most cliched thing in the world, but it's like they're pushing people away so that they can be alone in their addiction. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I know I can't have friends like everyone else. And I clearly see that this is, these are my options, so I'm choosing the drugs. That's what addiction does. That's what addiction does. It drives you to the irrational point where you're not buying food, you're buying drugs. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what I um, had to witness was a person who, like, had, I mean, I, I I, I can't get too specific here, so I should probably watch my words, but just, right, right, right. Just to, you know, really have uh, to witness firsthand the how far a person will go to, like, feed their addiction. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, it, it truly is just like, oh, like, it just no um, sane person would do that. You know, they're not in their right mind. And it, um, I mean, you can kind of start to see how people, I mean, I mean, this sounds crazy, but I, you know, had this thought where, where I basically just kind of said, oh, that's how a person becomes homeless. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like that's, that's exactly how that happens. Like it's, I mean, now like obviously like not every time and I'm not trying to paint all uh, homeless people as, as, you know, addicts by any means necessary. But just the ones that are, it's, you know, I always do kind of have that thought of, like, how do they get there? And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's how. Yeah, yeah. When, when you encounter a full-blown drug addict and they're addicted to something more than marijuana or something, you encounter the very heart of, of like, despair, right? Because there's nothing you can do to fix any of it. As, an, as a person on the outside, you can do things like take away their money and monitor their credit and all of these things that parents have tried to do down through the ages. But what ends up happening is that they find a way around it. Or they're waiters where they get cash in hand every night. And they, go, and they stay in those dead-end jobs because it enables them to bypass things like checking accounts that can be monitored and things like that. So the courageous parent that's trying to do their best to free their kid, if I mean, you know, the, if there's a will, there's a way. And the addict is consumed by the disease of addiction. And so all they can see is get my next fix. And, uh, I mean, I remember the stories this person would tell. I would tell all my friends, like, you'll never believe what happened to this guy. And I would tell them stories. And they're like, how oh, is he still alive? These are crazy. And then, you know, years later, where now he's in recovery, thank God, but Years later, I would sit down and I'd be like, wait, was this story true? And he goes, nah, totally made that up. Wait, what about this one? Nah, totally made that one up too. You're like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't mugged at gunpoint outside of a Walmart after I cashed my check. I was robbed by my dealer at gunpoint in his shady apartment house or something. I'm like, oh, dear, you almost died. And he's like, now you know why I lied. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, you know, I do think it would be interesting to have some sort of a drug counselor on here just to be able to talk about like where this and grace comes into play. But just like based yeah. off of your ex, your experience, do you think you'd be able to speak to that at all? Uh, only a little bit, only a little bit, and I'll and I'll stop when I hit the the limits of my knowledge. But but uh, I don't know what, what were you thinking. Well, no, because I mean, I just don't know. Because it's honestly, I think like the where I think the hardest I, I would say an addiction at one point, like in, in my mind, when I think about a type of an addiction at that level, where you know you are like willing to just 
screw up your whole life and, you know, abandon everyone who loves you to get a two-minute high. Yeah. Where's, like, how can grace pierce that? Ugh, ugh. You know, and the, the, the interesting thing is a lot of people know that they've gone too far when they've hit the proverbial rock bottom, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the, the thing about drug addiction in particular, I mean, sex, any addiction, right? In, what they do is what normal, rational people say is rock bottom is not. <laughs> There's a whole basement underneath that rock. It's a, it's like a like a like a Cold War era nuclear shelter hiding underneath the bedrock. Like they will find a way to sink even lower. And uh, so here, here's a here's a thing that just happened to me. Um, I was doing this parish mission, wonderful church, and a woman uh, had said that her daughter was lost. Right, and I, I read. I read it, and it broke my heart to say that. And I'm like, no, no one's daughter or son is definitively lost. And she ended up speaking with me about drug addiction and separation from, you know, the normal world and, and being homeless. You know, her, her daughter's now homeless. And when I heard all this stuff, you know, you sit there and you're like, okay, so now you, you, you come from a good home where your mama love you. You traded all of that, and now you're living on the streets. Like, when, when does a person stop and say, wow, I've, I've fallen this far that I'm, I, I literally can't even see my mother again. Like, I don't want to see her like this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what, you know, and so that's the whole, that's the unique thing about addiction is it removes, removes the rational decision judgment part of your brain and replaces it with a hunger that can't be ever satisfied, that always deepens the more you indulge. And so you have this, this very complex reality where you, I mean, you are quite literally willing to accept whatever the new normal is, whether it's homelessness, whether it's prostitution, you know, whether it's you know, not eating for days because you need to keep your fix or keep your high. Um, and people do this stuff to themselves. How does grace get in? I don't know, but I'll tell you what I said to that woman. I said, she's not lost because Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's in the business of finding lost sheep. And I said, and right now what we're going to do is we're not just going to pray for you, and we're not just going to pray for your daughter. We're going to pray for someone in New York City to have your daughter on their heart, to somehow cross their but some courageous, God-loving person to walk into their life and say, I'm going to pull you out. Because she doesn't know where her daughter is. She doesn't know. She doesn't even know where she is, like what horror this mother is living through. Um, but so that's, that's one of the things is like outside of prayer, you know, you do the intervention thing. They get defensive. They get agreeable. They disarm people. Sometimes it works. Sometimes that snaps them out of reality. But there are plenty of times when that goes south, and I've seen it. I've seen it go south in a bad way, and I, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever been a part of an intervention? Mm, um. Uh, okay, so for all intents and purposes, I have not. We did do one in uh, high school for a uh, one of my really good friends who I don't. 
I actually don't think I've ever talked to you about this. Um, yeah, I, I had a I guy don't remember that, this. Yeah, I had a guy that I was like great friends with, uh, like me and um, all my uh, like Joel uh, and Nick, all of my all of my good friends that were in our youth group. Um, with some people in our youth group, a couple of the leaders, we did an intervention with a guy who's kind of going off off of the rails just with his whole life and how he was treating like women and stuff, and it was just awful. It like destroyed, it like ruined our friendship. And I really, it, I for all intents, I mean, we we talked, we have talked maybe three times since that happened, three to five times. So that's the only intervention like thing that I've ever been a part of, and it was but wildly it wasn't about successful. Drugs. Okay. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. Did he get defensive? Yep. Didn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I snapped at him towards the end, and then he snapped back at me and just screamed and stormed out. And a guy that I had really been like he um, he was like my brother in Christ, if there ever was one, honestly. And it was just, over with. I'm just going to pretend like I wasn't offended by that comment. Go on. Why? Why were you? Why were you offended by that? Uh, because I'm your brother in Christ, if ever there was one. Well, no, I mean, I'm kidding. You know I mean? I'm like, kidding. <laughs> I'm making it about me, Luke. I'm making it about no, me. but I mean, like, this was a guy that had that not happen. He either would have gone to Steubenville with us, or you would have met him, and he would have been a you know, like he was like he was in that group of guys that like you guys all became buddies with. Yeah. And it was just, and again, this was not about drugs. It was more like a, Hey, as your brothers in Christ, we're going to try to have an intervention. And yeah, you know, I, I don't, I mean, was, I, was I, he the, was this the stereotypical guy who was just like afraid of his sexuality and then his senior and he had behind it with Christianity. And then like his senior is like, you know what? I do like red solo cups and hot chicks. You know, I had yeah, so uh, many people that it's like that fear that kept them in youth group. And then they get like freshman year, college, mm-hmm. UT. Uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is everywhere and everyone's doing it. And I've already had my first beer now. Crazy. Right. Yeah. I do love boobs. Um, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, everyone does. Like just admit it. It's, it's fine. Um, yeah. That drives me nuts. <laughs> just admit Anyways. it. It's fine. Boobs are good. Just go on. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree, and I have since I was 12. Um, no, I mean, this was a guy who, um, and I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more honest here, and because it's, you know, it's been, oh gosh, this happened 16 years ago. Um, over that, actually, he, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, exactly, that should be the title of the episode. Sorry, I need to stop responding to your Skype texts. Uh Anyways, he he came from a broken home, and I think he, I mean, he was like a really like I was a good looking kid in in high school. Like I can kind of look back and I go, oh wow, I was in really good shape, which I had better like which I had a better like self image and actually had some confidence. Um, he was like a re- like all the girls were just obsessed with him, like all of them were anywhere anywhere that um, we would go to girls would just like flock to this guy. I, I really honestly haven't almost in my entire life, haven't seen any, like anything like that where it just anywhere you want. Uh, okay. Real quick though. Let me challenge that statement with not to make light of the story, but uh, our friend, um, 
when he gets on a no, plane, I, walks off the plane with every with, stewardess's phone number. <laughs> this is what happened, by the way, everyone. This is what happened, like, you know, years, years, years ago. Years, yeah, years and years ago. Yeah, before um, he was married. And when I was getting married, he got off the plane, and me and you were picking him up, and you were like, how much do you want to bet he got a stewardess's phone number? <laughs> and then he sits down in my car, and he's like, no, I didn't. Oh, wait, I did. And we're like, you even <laughs> forgot it happened so often. No, he actually, um, uh, and you need to edit that part out because I was definitely engaged when that happened. Um, <laughs> well, he rejected it. He didn't. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, no, he didn't encourage that to happen. Huh? He didn't encourage the woman to do that. She, like, wrote it <laughs> no. down on a napkin and gave it to him, and he threw it away immediately. I mean, it was like that kind of like, I mean, I would say even maybe like a little bit higher, like a little bit just more. Like, he was like, do you remember like, uh, I mean, they're just like like guys, they're like, you know, just a couple guys in college that I can, I can like, I remember like we would like go to a bar or go out and girls would just stop and just stare at them. Like, it was like blatantly obvious that they were just yeah. like staring. And I was like, Wow. Huh, they are definitely better looking than all of us. <laughs> there is something special about Chaz. <laughs> man, man, I would go to, I took Chaz to Cross Creek Tavern and literally, literally, like a 55-year-old woman and an 86-year-old woman and me all at some point touched him inappropriately. That's this, so funny. My favorite part was when this elderly woman who was celebrating like her 85th anniversary walked up behind him and put her hands on his man boobs. And just, I mean, he didn't have any. He had perfectly chiseled chest. <laughs> you know, he, he's actually like a really good friend of mine now. So that's actually like we like we all hang out together, like all of our wives. And we all. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Really he is awesome. I love him to death. But that's, that's how I felt like so walking funny. into the room. Next <laughs> it's like, like. He, You'll never really understand how average we like all look until we are next to one of these guys and go, oh, oh, no, no, no. Um, girls only talk to me like that when they're trying to get me to buy something at their uh, express store or you know, like at American Eagle. <laughs> girls only talk to me like that when it's happy hour and they're almost off their shift. <laughs> you sure you don't want another one? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, Are you so, serving it? I'll take. It. <laughs> you touch my wrist. Okay, I'll take five. Um, oh my gosh, I did that once. <laughs> I bought a round of drinks because a woman touched my wrist. I remember like oh to be twenty one in my early twenties. I remember being out at the store and like I I really thought that this girl was like blatantly hitting him. I was like, good job, Luke. She was hot. And then I was like, wait, wait. I just bought $100 worth of stuff. <laughs> From a so woman's clothing store. <laughs> Why was I even here? Um, oh, well. Hot chick touched my wrist. <laughs> worth it. That's just like, like you, that's like only a story that like, like at that old of an age really worked if you went to a school like Franciscan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere else, you're just a sad, lonely guy. At our school, you're strangely popular. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> no, I can I can remember this one time we were at Irish Fest, and this really attractive girl that like I didn't even know. We were we were like watching this band, and she came up and just started. You remember grinding. And she like came up. I, I remember like, started... the idea of it, 
but she that came, did not happen she, to me. <laughs> okay, she so she came up and she started uh, to grind on me, and I was like, "What are you like?" I'm around like all of our Super Bowl friends. Of course, like I wouldn't. I mean, oh, I was at yeah, a point. No, I'm I like, like, I don't want to do that. And I like basically like grabbed her by the hips and like I had like I uh, had like move her away, and she was just like, "What?" And I was like, "I I, I know. Just trust me." <laughs> <laughs> it's for both of our benefits. <laughs> Do you remember that um, one girl when we were at that bar in Wheeling, West Virginia? She was trying to dance with me, and I was like, no, I'm not going to dance like that. And then just, like, stared at me the whole night while she was dancing with other guys. And other girls, yes, I remember that. That was so weird. I forgot about that. I, I remember one time when we asked Dr. Adam to walk up to a girl and use this line on her. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. (laughs) (laughs) And a guy came out of nowhere and put his hand on Adam's chest and was like, okay, buddy, you need to go. And I had only two beers in me. (laughs) And I was sitting on a stool, and I jumped off the stool and picked it up by the bottom of the legs and started to walk over there. And then I saw Adam laughing, and the guy and Adam walk away just laughing. And I was like, oh, okay, the guys, okay, I need to calm down. Why am I holding a stool? <laughs> like, I would have done it. I would have hit the guy. The guy would have looked at me, and then he would have <laughs> pounded me into the pavement, and then I would have gone to jail. Like, but I know the Suma. <laughs> you can't do this to me. I had a conversion in high school. <laughs> I'm supposed to be untouchable. I enjoy watching Ray, uh, what is his name, Ray Arroyo? Raymond Arroyo. Raymond Arroyo. Listen, there are, I mean, there are some, like, small but really meaningful reasons as to why you would want to, like, watch him on TV. Anyways, uh, that joke. (laughs) We are so far (laughs) afield of you talking about this handsome guy from high school. I know. Okay, sorry. So anyways, no, because this is actually like a really, this is a really interesting story. Um, Go on. He basically, so he like came from, his parents were split, just had a really tough life. And we really clicked when I kind of had my deeper conversion, like when I really decided I'm like, I'm in. We became like best friends during this retreat. And And he basically came to me and I won't ever um, forget that he's like, I've got to uh, decide which parent I, you know, want uh, to live with. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, you know. And he was, like, in tears crying to me about this during this retreat. And I was like, oh, like. And we had actually been, I mean, I um, had known him since I was in preschool, but we had moved away uh, when I was eight. So I only kind of, like, saw him in passing for about like eight years which felt like an eternity and but after that we just became like really 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 tight like really good friends he was at my house all the time um but he would just like hit on girls all the time and he would hit on our like hit on people's girlfriends and he would hit on my sister and just it was just like really he um he was not the guy that um assaulted her but uh it was just getting to a point to where I was like, dude, please stop. Like, stop. And it, it was just the way that he treated a lot a lot of the women that we hung out with was just getting kind of bad. And I think a lot of people were tired of sticking up for him all the time. 
and it was just it, it kind of had hit a point where it was like this is emotionally exhausting this has to stop all this stuff and it just I lost like what I thought what I thought was going to be a lifelong friend and I mean I like I think I did because all the other two guys I'm still pretty tight with like we're still good I, I still say like those are a couple of, of my best friends and it just it sucked it really really sucked and it was I mean we you know again it was never the same like we 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 probably have talked in person maybe two or three times we've probably communicated like over the internet two or three times this happened over the, uh over the summer of 2000 okay it just yeah it sucked really sucked that's i i'm kind of against the idea of an intervention in that way like I, I just don't see – I mean, I, I think there were very good intentions by all of the leaders at our youth group for that to try to like – the idea was to have iron – like we were going into 12th grade like, you know, as his brothers in Christ, we need to kind of call him out a bit. And I just think that was a total wrong way to approach it, total wrong way. But, you know, that's hindsight. Like, like – these people were just doing the, the, the best they could with uh, what they had. And I don't hold any ill will against them b- because of it. But, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. But uh, Well, this is all about addiction, right? I mean, I don't uh, – what do you mm-hmm. want to do with this show? What are we doing here, Luke? I'm, I just want to talk about, like, what's, what's going on, honestly. And, I mean, there are other things that we can talk about as well. I've got, I've got some topics. You've got some topics? I want to lose weight. That's my topic. Yeah, let's talk about weight. We're we have both been uh, hefty at one point in time or or another. So here here is my life in 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 regards to the grand uh, fat shaming history that it's been. So when I was growing up, my whole family. Um, let me rephrase that. My brothers were both athletes. And so was I. We all we played all the sports. I played soccer for years, baseball. Um, you know, we played all the soccer was my main one, right? And I was a midfielder, which you're just running the entire time. I never liked running, but <laughs> you did it to play the game. But um, when I was in third grade, I was diagnosed with asthma. Now, my oldest brother Brian had it ten thousand times worse than I did, having to carry an inhaler with him. 24-7, having to get shots, all that stuff. I would just randomly have asthma attacks every so often. And the thing that, that is important about this is I ended up using that as an excuse to get out of things. You know, kids, you, my daughters use, oh, I can't move my legs. I can't help you pick up the room. Pick up the room, right? P- kids use excuses all the time. But when you have something like my asthma is acting up, what is the PE teacher going to do? You know, then. They don't want some kid collapsing because his lungs are constricted. So the it was really in third grade that my life in that regard started taking a downturn. I stopped playing organized sports when I was in eighth or ninth grade. I played football. Um, but I was the fat and slow kid by then. Um, but I was strong. Like, I could, I could wrestle with the best of them uh, as long as they weren't actually wrestlers on the wrestling team. Those people killed me. Um, <laughs> One time I wrestled my PE coach, who was also the wrestling coach, who was also a state champion wrestler. It was the worst experience of my life. I almost blacked out at one point. 
because he was he was wrestling a fat freshman. <laughs> right? And Wait, he still cheated. Was this your dad? Get because you were homeschooled. I'm oh, sorry. Anyways, go on. It was in ninth grade when I was still at Bishop Kelly Catholic High School. <laughs> but he and he was he was wrestling a fat freshman and he still fought dirty. Isn't that weird, like, in hindsight, when you feel like, wait, why did that adult do that? Yeah. That was weird. That was beyond bizarre. Beyond bizarre. And so I remember he was he was doing, like, he took two or three cheap shots at me. And so I remember he had, I mean, like, I'm done. I'm in a human pretzel position. And I had my left hand free, and it was behind his back. And he had a, a crew top haircut. And I reached forward to where his, uh, the front of his hair was. And I grabbed it in my fist as hard as I could. I pulled back. And he caused so much pain because I did that to him. I mean, he was, like, punching me in the balls and, like, doing all this crazy crap. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like done. And, I was, and he would pin me. And he's like, now, this pin is actually not technically legal. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why Oklahoma? Why? <laughs> oh, wait. To ask is to answer. <laughs> but And I, I pulled his hair as hard as I could, and he just, I mean, like, you remember when, when you were in that arm bar that, uh, that Caesar uh, had you in and <laughs> on that one household mm-hmm. retreat? It was mm-hmm. like that, but all over my body. But uh, so my whole life, like, from that point on, my brothers were the athletes. I was the, the funny guy. And I definitely use that to compensate for not being as athletic as them. And it wasn't because I didn't have natural talent. I just didn't care. I didn't. And it was a lot of it was fear. Like I wouldn't be good at it. I wouldn't this. I wouldn't that. And when you're the fat kid and no matter what you do, you're always like, like, I mean, my, my best friend in at that time when I was young was the fastest kid in school. All my friends were those people. I was just the, the, you know, whatever. And I wasn't, like, horribly fat, but I was way out of shape, or I was out of shape. Anywho, long story short, I have always had this issue going back and forth where I could lose it pretty easily if I'm fanatical about my diet. But then I just hit this wall where I, like, just totally give up. And I realized mm-hmm. that, that the major component that I've always been afraid to tackle is the exercise component, right? So... <clears throat> so I did I did paleo and Atkins diet fanatically uh, about f- four years ago, and I lost like 65, 70 pounds, and I was at my slimmest then, and I, I even wrote a blog post on it on, um, on Lay Evangelist, and I was excited about it. I wasn't tracking numbers. My whole idea was I'm just going to diet until I feel good, and then I'll just level out my diet, but then the life thing started happening. We had another kid. My job transferred up here to the Woodlands, where now I'm driving an hour and a half each way. And then I have a sedentary job, so it just got worse and worse. And I was missing dinners and breakfast, so I was getting fast food or I was eating restaurant food. And I just gave up on my diet, and everything just kind of fell apart. And uh, But it was a year and a half that I maintained, right? So that's not like three-week gomer where you're like, I'm not going to drink soda anymore, and then like, Three weeks later, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know I could bathe in Coke Zero. So, you know, it's this interesting, like, weird dynamic. And I know, like, women who experience, like, body shaming stuff, 
10 times more than men do, it still has always been a significant, horrible part of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I look at a, um, one, of my, one of my friends and Catching Fox's listener, Mr. Jeremy Barda, he has, uh, although he has a buzzed head, he has a beard, he wears black glasses, his are more gray, he looks similar to me, and literally for Halloween, he had a shirt of mine, a Covecrest, Lightning Covecrest t-shirt, and he wore, he came to Halloween as me. <laughs> and there's a picture that my wife took of both of us hugging each other, and I just looked at it, and it was a side profile of me, and he's in shape, he, he looks good. The side profile of me, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm two of him. I'm two of an adult. I'm, like, so, like, and it's all in, like, my gut, like, which they say is the worst way for men to carry their weight. So I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm like, repulsed. I hate this feeling. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. And so I go out, and I, I get a gym membership, and it's right by my house. It's 24-7, and it's a small gym, so I don't have to worry about, you know, <clears throat> you know, getting dominated by a bunch of like fanatical gym rats and all this stuff. Bruh. Yeah. Hey, uh, how much you squat, bruh? Bruh. Well, I, I squat on the potty like three times a day. I'm regular. Anywho, so um the I thought you'd think that's funny, but you didn't. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. No, it's okay. But I went there, I literally said You're the, selling it. You're selling the it. The guy goes, Hey, it's a monthly fee of, you know, like what X amount of dollars. And I go, I don't want to pay a monthly fee. I, how much is it for a year? And he's like, no one, we don't sell it really by the year. And I go, well, how much is it by the year? And he like looks and he's like, oh, well, you get this discount and this discount and blah, blah, blah. It's like $580. And in my head, I thought that sounded normal, but it is not. I can go, <laughs> I can go to 24-Hour Fitness for less than half that. But So I paid it, and I was like, I have just paid money that my family needs. I am going to force myself to go. <laughs> and I went like four times. And, like, the 24-hour the lock, it was like a thumbprint thing. It never worked. I wanted to go run on the treadmill. That was always taken. The, the treadmills that they had, they were always being used um, by, like, teenagers. And I'm like, go run outside with all the rest of you freaks. And so I was just, I was just undone. And then you see people who have never in their lives struggled with, like, being fat first. And they're just maintaining. And it's so much easier for them to work out. Yeah, I, um, I've actually, so I have the exact opposite of problem. I've, I've always been, for the most part, overweight, or it, in my mind, I was. Um, in high school, when I look back on I really didn't get overweight until probably, uh, like, like, actually, probably the last part of high school. Um, and then it was all downhill during college, especially my freshman year. Uh, my problem with it. And you know, like this might actually play into the addiction, although I don't think it's like as bad as some people as like other addictions. I can do the exercise very easily. I actually really enjoy exercise. Uh it's the eating part. Like I overeat. It's just so I've been trying so I I have a like honestly I have a really hard time with it. I probably commit the sin of the uh, sin of gluttony way more than I like to admit. And because I got, I mean, when I was in Colorado, I was actually around 45 pounds, um, 45 pounds like lighter than I am right, right now. And the only reason why it wasn't more was I did a really shitty job of like tracking my calories. 
And it's just, you know, I think, honestly, I think the first step is just admit like, hey, like, this is a problem. Like, you know, I need, I really have to fix this. And this is like, a, you know, and if I have, if I don't have, if I don't control what I eat, how am I, how am I going to be expected to control other parts of, of, of my life and to grow in, um, to grow in holiness. So this, uh, like past week or so I got a Fitbit and I've been tracking my calories and, and it's been great that I've been doing a lot of the, because like you're able to do these cool challenges on there. So I've been doing that with, um, our buddy Joey, he always like organizes them and, and, um, that's been really cool. But I definitely like where I need to get better at is I need to control like what I eat. And and, honestly, not uh, it's like not even like what I eat, but it's how much I eat. And I do think that's kind of like a gateway sin to uh, other things for me. So, yeah, it's definitely been a problem. And I like always enjoy life more when uh, I'm in shape and when I'm thinner. But, yeah, it's hard. I always enjoy life more when I'm in shape and I'm thinner unless I'm at a restaurant. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, like, honestly, the the hard part, like, I've, I've gained probably 30 pounds over the past, like, almost two years, and it's really been just because my job, and, and, and again, this is more on me, but doing a lot of youth ministry stuff and a lot of big events, the go-to thing that you bring for people to eat is pizza. And so, like, two to three times a month, I'm, like, you know, I would gorge myself on pizza because I'm like on the go and I definitely stress eat. I 100% like when I'm stressed out, one of the first things I want to do is eat. And it can be something really, you know, it can be like just wanted to go out and get a couple of beers, maybe have some wings or, you know, oh, whatever. But that's one way that I found that I relieve stress is by eating or by drinking. And that's not good. I, I think like for me, most of the time it is a lack of something better to do. Mm-hmm. Like if, like you know, like the the funny times that we joke about, I, like I drink too when I've had a couple too many on catching foxes while we're interviewing people, like Jackie and Bobby. When we were interviewing them, I had a six pack of beer, but I had no intention of drinking all six. Like I, we usually have like two or three. Um, over the case of uh, that show was like two hours of talking and all that stuff, but um, I just. When my drink was gone, I had a glass. When it was gone, I just went over and, without thinking, just kind of filled up the filled up the next one. And I could do that. Luke, can I tell you the most insane thing that happened to me when it comes to food? Yes. Catching Fox's listener, Tom, invited me to come to his parish to do a parish mission this last weekend. We went to a place from Man vs. Food that was featured on Man vs. Food where the guy lost the man versus food thing. He ate the fire in the whole wings or one of the hot wings that they had, and he couldn't do it. I got a sandwich called a Fat Daddy. Okay, on this sandwich, it's essentially a loaf of bread that's a, that has a Philly cheesesteak inside. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, that is covered in cheese sauce and then also has two hamburgers. And uh, a a fried mozzarella stick, and they call them spuds, but French fries, all inside one sandwich. And it's like this thing, and I did it, and I ate ate the whole thing. (laughs) And the guy that I was with, Tom, Tom, if you you ever go on um, 
his Facebook profile or whatever, he he's like super into fitness. He does like boot camps. He'll attend them. He'll run them. Um, he's into the whole uh, Juice Plus thing, right? He's physically fit. I mean, this guy, he's toit like a toiga, right? He he woofed down his well, it was it was called a Fat Mama sandwich. They're called fat sandwiches at this place called Munchies 420, which is only open from 4:20 p.m. to 4:20 a.m. If that's not the funniest thing you've ever heard, <laughs> it's a good business strategy if you stop and think about it. Go on. <laughs> yeah, the, the little tagline is because your mama's kitchen closes after midnight, <laughs> you know, so you come to Munchies. <laughs> um, but we ate this food. I mean. You want to talk about fat? <laughs> this thing was. There is no reason why a human should eat this. But when it was sitting in front of me, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's totally doable. Like, there's no problem here. I can get this done. No worries." And I did. I like, and it didn't. Nothing about it s- stopped me. Do you think part of that is due to uh, just our inherent, Im- like? When we were in college, we could probably do that, and we'd gain, like, a little bit of weight, but probably not the weight that we do now. We are walking more, playing, playing inter, like, intramural sports, whatever. And, but just because we do, like, you know, have an adolescent culture that we just haven't really grown out of that yet. So it's like, yeah, like, why would I not have this whole thing of hot wings right now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's part of that, but the other part of it is just – Food means more, or I don't know if it's food, but food means more to me than food, than nutrition. And the thing that's... Oh, yeah. I mean, and it means more to me than the sociability of it and all that stuff. Uh, The interesting thing about it is, you know how, like, when people go on diets, they have to eat diet food? Well, you know, I went Atkins, Paleo, whatever, and you give up gluten. So you come up with all these, like, gluten substitutes, you know, so they have the consistency of a neutron star or the density of a neutron star. Um, I ate – I could eat any of that stuff, any substitute food, because I would be like, oh, well, this is really high in protein or, oh, well, this is – I could just tell myself that. And I had – even if it didn't taste – even if it wasn't half as good as whatever it's supposed to – whether it's even a piece of bread or something else, it didn't bother me. I I could totally do it. I don't know what the deal is, though. Why I was so strong for a year and a half. Like, that's not mm-hmm. like, that's not like a, I've, I've never, I haven't in a long time, like, binge diet for, like, one thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, oh, I got three months for my wedding. I, I never did that. But when I really buckled down and focused, I had so much more energy. I was out and about, but. I can only speak um, uh, to my experience is that like the best way to lose weight and to keep it off is to actually count calories and for me that's hard because that takes a lot of self control because you can eat whatever you want you can have cake all day just gotta be within x amount of calories now you can't have cake all day and like you know but you know what i mean and sarah lee all day every day you know, but like um, they did, there was this one, there was this one study where a guy ate a McDonald's every day for like a couple of months, but he stayed within two thousand calories, and he like his cholesterol went down, like totally healthy. And um, now again, I'm not, I don't know how good that'd be over a couple of years, but the point is, is that 
ultimately like you have to you have in like order like uh, to lose weight keep it off and become completely healthy you have to burn more than what you eat and i think we really don't have a strong in interior life even as catholics we i've i've just started to see that i start to i only count my in to your life as have I prayed uh, today and there you know um, is more to it than that and one big part is a mortification dying to self uh, denying yourself certain things putting yourself last in order uh, to be first ultimately and part of that is like what you eat that's why that's why it's important that's why it's actually a like a, a sin because we actually don't have control over our own our you know own actions so i've been trying to uh with the uh, help of my fitbit to really like not eat any more than what i'm burning i did screw up tonight because of all the beers i drank anyways and because of the parmesan cheese it's so good but in my own life anyways the point is for me i think it like that's where it actually does hurt me it um hurts my own relationship with God. And I've been trying to take steps to improve that. And it's hard, but it is good. Yeah, I think one of the big things, you know, um, I will do a parish mission where I talk about people giving their lives to Christ and giving their total life to Christ. Uh, and then literally, so this happened this, this weekend at the parish mission. I, I'm in my hotel room. I'm getting ready. I put on a shirt. I don't like the way the shirt looks on me. And then I stop everything I'm doing and I say to myself, why would anyone take me seriously tonight about giving your whole life to Christ because I'm fat? Like that was the very specific thought that came into my head. Hmm. And I just like took off the shirt and I put it down and then I turned on like the Word on Fire show podcast and just got my mind off of it because I got like really depressed really quickly. And this is, like, really uncomfortable for me to share this stuff. But catching foxes, authenticity. Um, <laughs> but this whole notion is, like, I'm, I'm calling people out of drunkenness, out of their adultery, out of their abortions, out of their, you know, to find freedom and forgiveness and mercy and love and acceptance. And yet, number one, I have none of that for my physical self. Uh, and then number two... I feel like because I'm overweight, because there are, because I, yeah, because I'm overweight, I, I am clearly publicly failing to control my, you know, hunger urges or whatever it is. It's not hunger, but, you know, the emotional needs that I'm getting from eating food, the, all the stuff that mm-hmm. kind of bound up with it. And I immediately invalidate myself. And I'm afraid that a lot of people will be like, why am I going to listen to this fat ass tell me how to live my life? He's, he, you know, he might pray, but he's not doing everything. And then the other thing I'm afraid of is, you know, when you start studying, especially about 100 years ago, where Kellogg's cereal comes from, is a lot of Protestant morality was all, it was all about hygiene and fitness and food. And it took on a, a puritanical bent on food. And I think, I actually do believe that there is a tendency in, to, to blend an American obsession with physique and physical wellness with, you know, living the gospel. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid 
that you know there are you know i i totally can buy into the notion of like well having self-control means you will you will just you know you'll diet you'll exercise you'll look good you'll I mean, may not look good, but you know what I mean. Like you, can, yeah. you can get caught up in overly spiritualizing the wrong thing, and, and it, it just becomes vain. Yeah, it becomes vain, or it becomes yet another reason to like shame someone who's not, uh, who's not there, mm-hmm. right? So you can have someone. So be, and being overweight is something that you cannot hide, right? I mean, I wear black, but that's still no one. No one's like. Oh, oh, you're very slim, aren't you? Yeah, no, no one thinks that. But um, I'm trying to think if I can hit the right point because I don't think I'm saying it correctly right now. What I mean is there is obviously a component to self-control when it comes to food, to exercise, all that stuff. But I'm afraid that our American worship of physical perfection will pervert that into think into men and women thinking, Unless I'm lifting weights and unless I'm dieting perfectly, I'm there. This is another area of sin. Like after you start studying the history of Catholic morality in so many different ways, and really, honestly, the book um, uh, "A Secular A Secular Age" by Catholic philosopher Charles Taylor, it's kind of opening my eyes to a lot of this stuff. But I was reflecting on that insofar as I think there is this tendency of in the weight loss culture, in the self help culture. It's like if you're not doing this right now, you're in sin. And I think obviously I think there's things of gluttony, but it's more than just gluttony. It's also these like deep woundedness in our lives. Like for me, a lot of it is I constantly compared myself to my brothers who were always better than me at sports. Now, I was not I, I want to reiterate this. I loved playing sports. I love playing football, I love playing baseball, I love doing a lot of that stuff. I love playing catch and stuff like that. I always did that stuff. It wasn't that I, I was the nerdy kid who couldn't play sports. But there was this, I, I could never be at their level. And so I never wanted that to be a thing in my life that brought me embarrassment. But when you're a kid in elementary school and you're in PE or you're in high school and you're in PE, you can't really hide from that. And you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to blah, blah, blah. And so I would say the same thing to people like, you know, there's there's a mean kid in my. He was a senior. who was a the assistant at the, for the PE instructor, and he would make fun of me, and I would look over at him and be like, "I wonder what your GPA is," and I would say things like that because I'm the smart kid making fun of the dumb jock guy who's making fun of. And what would he do? He'd walk up and punch me, right? <laughs> like, all right, you win, you win. But you know, and it's this interplay of like running from being embarrassed causes me. To utterly to enter into situations where I'm utterly embarrassed, you know, like, mm-hmm. and and it just sucks. It just I don't I don't even know how to talk about this. It like is so uncomfortable for me. Oh well, I need a hug. Thank you for opening up about that, man. I need a hug. I need a warm hug. Like <laughs> I need a warm hug and a brownie. <laughs> oh, I had two today. Damn it! They were gluten free, well, so it doesn't count. Yes, it does. Damn it! <laughs> I think, I mean, you know, um, I think this is good stuff to talk about because if we ignore all aspects of the interior life, we're putting God into a box, you know, and saying you're just about what I, what I read in a Bible or what I hear in a talk, and that's it. It's not about all these other aspects of my life. And, and that's, you know, uh, like 
look at what our uh, households are of household scripture, you know, anything that you eat or drink do all for the greater glory of God. Yeah. But, you know, see, I keep feeling like I'm not saying my or my earlier point correctly. Like, I think that's true, but I think there can be a, a puritanical fanaticism that, you know what I mean? But do you know what I mean? Yeah, Am I saying yeah, it right? No, that's that. Yeah, that that is absolutely coming across. It's where you put your, like, it's about, it's, I think what you are getting at is that it's about putting this self on a pedestal that it should not be on. It's good to like if you want to be in shape, that's awesome. I love I like I love being in shape. It's a really great feeling. It it is great for um a lot of like different uh, for a whole bunch of like different reasons. Yeah. But if you're doing that in order to look a specific way that you want to go, oh, I've got these abs. Isn't this awesome? Aren't I great? Yeah. That's a problem. You know what was uh, interesting? I was reading an article on um, a guy. It was like one of these porn addiction articles, you know, that you read. It, w- it wasn't on Matt Frad's website, America's Favorite Australian. Um, but it was it was this article that this guy was sharing, HuffPo or something like that. But basically he was talking about um, I think this guy eventually ended up going into um, sexual assault or whatever, and he said, uh, when talking about his pornography that he would look at, uh, as an individual, he would look at the pornography of his peers, of women his age, because or and women who were like younger when he was in high school, you know, I mean, like so whatever, like legal porn, not child porn or anything like that. But the whole reason was these were the women who rejected me. Because I was out of shape and all this stuff, and they never gave, you know, a second look at me. And he would he was fixated on pornography not because of the sexual pleasure he would derive, but from this massive experience of like hurt and loneliness. And he's like, "Well, you would never want to look at me, but now I get to look at you." And then it spilled over into a, a you know sexual assault of a woman who looked like that, right? So it was like this self-hatred, revenge. Mm. So it's like so much more complex than what we think of like masturbation is pleasurable, looking at pornography is tantalizing. And the thing... Oh, it's never just that. Right, right. And I think the same is true with our sexual drive, also is true with our drive to live, known as like hunger and thirst and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you take the communability, sociability, and I I know we're getting late, um, but I just feel like I... I need to diet and exercise, and I want to do that, and I don't, and I know you got to count calories, like, I know you got to track, because my wife, all she's doing is tracking, and she is losing, she's just losing, like, a pound or two or three a week, you know, at the most, and she, I mean, she just, she's just tracking it on the Lose It app on, on her iPhone, and it's just, like, it's so funny, like what you said, you just count it, right? And she's doing that. She's staying under, you know, oh, I can do this now. I can I can eat a brownie because I'm so much under. And I just, uh, I don't want to get caught up in the numbers. I just want to be like, oh, look, I can wear pants that I couldn't wear before. Or, oh, look, I don't have to suck in while I'm putting on the belt on the airplane. Or, <laughs> but, like, but that's what getting, like, getting caught up in other numbers is just a means to an end. Yeah. That's true. You know, so so if if you really do just offer it up as a sacrifice, and that's that's oh, your good, point, you know, that's then a good. Then like, yeah. look at you, yeah. Luke. 
Look at I you. Know. Listen, there are times where I get scared that I'm growing in um, uh, holiness to the point where the podcast won't be won't be interesting. So, <laughs> Luke, quickly go out in mortal sin. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Luke, doubt everything. Yeah. So, so what we're trying to say is, folks, this Christmas, Luke and Gomer are going to rekindle a tradition that was started at Franciscan University. Come January. It's time for the Christmas Club weight loss competition. <laughs> that I'm not gonna. <laughs> Where my wife would sabotage our competition with her with her group by leaving us whole casserole dishes full of gooey butter cake, and John would oh, walk in one side of the kitchen. You would hear the knife scrape against the glass of the dish. You could hear him eat, and then he would just sigh, and then he would walk out the other side so <laughs> defeated, excited in one end, defeated in the other. <laughs> oh, man, man, I love gooey butter cake, yeah. Hey, so, okay, just to end, uh, talk about this, uh, I, I want to I actually do this episode. Oh, man, we haven't gotten the ad read. I'll add it in later. Um, I want to do this episode on Friday. Uh, I know we have another uh, two episodes no, waiting no, in the wings. No, no, no. That's fine. But we, I think we need a lot in the bank, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but what I want to do, uh, uh, closing, and I do want to close, is I want to set people up for the holidays. I want to, you know, the the last episode that we just did about um, uh, spoiler alert, we got divorced. The feedback from that has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From Catholics, Agreed. I mean, fr- friends. I don't know if, if people are texting you. I have people who text me and they're like oh my god i never thought about that about divorced people or single parent i just you know i'm like okay they're doing their thing i'm gonna do my thing now this one person's like i'm reaching out oh my gosh um this one person who is in the middle of getting divorced um uh sent us a message i don't know if you had a chance to read that on facebook um there's so much going on that no one is talking about and that's why i love this show because we, I, we had, I had no idea it would take that the, be as good and in depth as it ended up being, and uh, its benefits. Uh, I mean, are, they're they're crazy. So thank you everyone who's listened, who's commented. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's episode sixty nine. Spoiler alert: We got divorced. Um, it's the, one of the longest shows that we made. I spent I spent days editing it. And I could I whittled off forty minutes, <laughs> and it's still yeah. it's in like an hour and fifty minutes long. But one of the reasons why we didn't have an episode for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that and Thanksgiving, where I ate so much. <laughs> so Luke, really quick, why don't you tell everyone about uh, Seek and what you're gonna do? Oh yeah, okay. So uh, what you I... are gonna do? No, no, no. Catching catching foxes. Uh, meaning me, is going to be at the Focus Seek conference, and we're going to team up with that uh, with that Catholic couple for a Catching Foxes, that Catholic couple meetup. It'll be on January 6th. 6th uh, or 7th? I thought you... Okay. Uh, it's, no, it's on the 6th. Okay. January 6th. I'm the one that's going to be there, so... Don't listen. Luke, to go. Luke from Catching Foxes, <laughs> not Catching Foxes. Catching Foxes slash the Catholic couple meetup. <laughs> uh, we're gonna be over. Uh, actually, I don't know where yet. I've got to touch base with uh, Dan over at that Catholic. Over at that Catholic couple, but it'll be at 11 p.m. I believe that's a Friday night, uh, January 6th. 
Uh, come hang out with us. We're going to just like have some beers, drink, and have a good time. So please come hang out with us. You, you don't have to. It's, it it uh, is not a part of the conference, so you don't have to be – um, at, you know, you don't have to be an attendee to come and hang out with us. I'm extremely pumped to be able to go and see uh, and hang out with a whole bunch of our college-aged uh, listeners. And even if you aren't in college, come and hang out with us as long as you are of a drinking age. So, cool. Catching Foxes Meetup, January 6th, San Antonio, Texas. Yes, Luke from Catching Foxes Meetup with that guy. Hey, Catching guy. Foxes meet up hey good luck editing this podcast luke <laughs> good luck getting the last word when you <laughs> oh man that's so fun i think it's going to be awesome i'm actually trying no, to sneak out to seek on on the fifth but i can't i bet you i can't but um, <coughs> no it's fine i know it'd be cool it would be cool we're gonna do our own thing soon so hey, don't worry do about you it. have um do you have a place set up yet uh he texted me about it but i've just been so swamped the past few days that i haven't had a chance to take it back to him okay so. okay okay sorry okay. daniel okay 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 uh, cool 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 so we're gonna do that we're gonna we're gonna lose weight we're gonna get in shape we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna lose 100 pounds before we do deacon baldy's in march <laughs> uh, and then we're gonna, gonna gain about 50 pounds <laughs> within that weekend i like it i like it yeah all right, cool. sounds good to me. All right, buddy. Uh, I want to thank you. Uh, big shout out to Luke. Big shout out to Gomer. Oh, thanks, you. man. And the biggest shout out of all time to super fan Allison. Allison, who uh, Allison, you're amazing. Thank you so much, binge listener Allison. Yay! Who uh, I love the card. Uh, thank you, Allison. That was a, that was an extremely nice card. I was able to read it through our WhatsApp. Yes, yes. I sent him pictures of the card. And Flat Lukey, which is like Flat Stanley, only the body of Luke holding a glass of, <laughs> I'm guessing, gin and tonic or maybe uh, whiskey sour. Um, so anyway, Probably an old-fashioned. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Thank you all so much. Uh, we will be in touch. I'm at Le Evangelist. Luke is at The Luke V. There we go. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Catching Foxes Podcast. And you can touch yourself on uh, Twitter at C Fox's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was like, that's true. Uh, hey, and if you can, uh, give us a review on iTunes. It helps spread the word about the show. Dude, we should do a Christmas time giveaway. We should. Oh, man. I we should spend okay. more money doing this again. Do you understand how much money it costs me to send that yeah. thing? When you said that, I was like, all right, if you want to. No, but we should do a Christmas time giveaway. Okay. We'll record a special episode for like a winner. Or something. I don't know. I'm scared, Luke. What so many mean? ideas. So many ideas. Okay, good night. Why good night. Jobs? I know. Right. I know. I freaking hate my job. <laughs> All right, Luke. Right. Hey, buddy. I love um, you. Hey. I, I love you, man. Episode this 70. Episode 70 is in the can. Woo. Boop, they're good. Okay, bye. Bye.